Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're joined by two guests, Jay and Eli of the Super Bracket Bros podcast. Super Bracket Bros is a podcast where each season, 32 fictional characters go head-to-head in a single elimination tournament to determine who the true champion is. The brothers have hosted three full tournaments and are currently releasing episodes for season four. Season four's theme is guns. So, of course, they've got all your favorite gun-wielding characters, from John Wick to the T-800 to the Punisher. They have guests on almost every episode, including Joey and I on occasion. So start listening now so you can find out who will be crowned champion in season four. Jay and Eli, welcome to Affable Chat. Thank you so much for uh, for having us on, fellas, and quite the introduction. I, I failed to make my own podcast sound <laughs> sound as great as you just have. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having us. We're excited to talk about this movie that we both love so much. And yeah, we're just just going to talk about it probably for another four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to have you guys here as well, because today we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. They don't know you and I are in this universe yet, so hopefully I'll have some time to explain. I'm not your husband, and he's not the one you know. I'm another version of him from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today, and no time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world, and it's begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Mrs. Wang! Hello! This is a psychological, sci-fi, action, family, comedy thriller. Directed by Daniels. The cast includes Crouching Dragon, Hidden Tiger, Karate Tortoise, <laughs> Tall Round, Laurie Strode, Kung Fu Panda's Bird Dad, and then Brian Lee and Andy Lee, who are credited in this movie as, uh, respectively, Alpha Jumper Trophy and Alpha <laughs> Jumper Bigger Trophy. <laughs> yeah, that took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, amazing credit. Both, both very talented stunt guys. Truly. Um, I watched this movie uh, twice, but both times it was on Amazon after paying $20 for it. It was the only way uh, to get it on st- on streaming. So that's how I did it. Uh, Jay, how did you watch it? I watched this in theaters, and I also you know, thought about buying it on streaming, but I will probably be waiting until i can get a nice fancy blu-ray copy of this movie because it's, oh wow it's that good but yeah watch it in theaters wow what about you eli how did you watch it i saw it in theaters with uh with jay here and uh i he had a lot of fun listening to me losing my <laughs> losing my cool <laughs> throughout the whole <laughs> throughout the whole movie <laughs> it's an experience <laughs> oh it is oh well, i'm jealous that you guys got to see it in theaters i wanted to so bad but i was busy getting to the theater is not as easy as just <laughs> streaming it um so 
it's a big screen movie for sure. Joey, how did you watch this movie? I saw it twice in theaters, and then I bought a copy on YouTube because um, it's that good, folks. Honestly, you know, if any movie deserves your money, it's this one. As a digital owner as well, I agree with that sentiment. Uh, so <laughs> before we get into our discussion on this film, we will recap the events in our synopsis that was written by Joey. Joey, go ahead and get us started. Evelyn Kwan Wang is completely overwhelmed. It seems everything is coming at her from everywhere all at once. The laundromat business that she started with her husband as a first-generation immigrant from China is undergoing an intense audit from the IRS. Her judgmental and ailing father has moved to the U.S. so that she can take care of him. Her daughter Joy is dating a girl, and her husband is absolutely no help. But while in the elevator headed to her audit, Waymond, her happy-go-lucky, naive, clueless husband, springs into action. He hands her two Bluetooth earpieces and tells Evelyn to meet him in the supply closet, handing her a strange set of instructions. Then he goes back to being clueless. Their IRS agent is a no-nonsense pedant named Deidre, who takes her job way too seriously. Evelyn's lack of understanding of the American tax system leads to a less-than-friendly relationship with Deidre, one that Evelyn is desperate to escape. She looks to the instructions her husband handed her and switches her shoes to the wrong feet, and imagines she is in the supply closet. Suddenly, Evelyn's world fractures. She is in two places at once, the desk in front of Deidre and inside the supply closet with her husband. Her husband in the supply closet explains, he is not actually her husband, but her husband from another timeline. In that timeline, a great evil was unleashed and it is devouring universes. That evil force is called Jobu Tupaki. This Waymond, called Alpha Waymond, because he is from the Alphaverse, thinks this Evelyn will be the key to defeating Jobu Tupaki. Evelyn is then brought back to the audit where her version of Waymond is convincing Deidre to give them more time to review their mistakes. Deidre reluctantly agrees and they leave. But on the way out, Alpha Waymond returns to enact Kung Fu vengeance on several IRS goons, which triggers an epic escape for Evelyn. Here, the story fractures again. Waymond reveals that he has filed for divorce, but that he really just wants to feel like he has Evelyn's full attention for once. Meanwhile, a different Evelyn, guided by Alpha Waymond, first jumps and uses the knowledge from other versions of herself to fight off Jobu Topaki's acolytes. But it all culminates in a grand reveal. Jobu Topaki is actually Evelyn's daughter, Joy. She has become the greatest force in the multiverse and can jump between universes at will. She is fueled by an apathy and a depression so intense, it has created an all-consuming pit of nothing. Something so profoundly despairing, it sends ripples throughout the multiverse, infecting everyone with a sense of dread and foreboding. Jobu Topaki calls this thing the bagel. Evelyn recognizes Joy's pain and pushes herself to jump more and more drastically until she has reached the same point of transcendence. Suddenly, she understands the depths Joy has gone to create the bagel, and why she became Jobu Topaki. The universe is vast and uncaring, and what's even the point? Why keep it up? It's all so exhausting and pointless. In the process, she visits several other universes, including one where humans developed long, flimsy hot dog fingers. She is a famous movie star and kung fu expert, and one where she works in a hibachi restaurant with a man who has a raccoon controlling his limbs like in Ratatouille. 
In each of these universes, her relationships suffer greatly after reaching the same level as Jobu Tupaki. She is cold, unfeeling, and wants to see it all end. In a universe where life never developed, she and Joy share a quiet moment as rocks. They talk about how it really is all meaningless, and Evelyn decides to embrace the darkness with her daughter. But just as all hell is about to break loose, Wayman approaches her and pleads with her. He says, I know you think I am weak, but my strength comes from being kind. Even when we don't know what's going on, the least we can do is be kind. This touches Evelyn's heart, and she realizes what she must do. Across every universe, she uses her incredible multiversal powers to enrich the lives of the people around her. From Jobu to Paki's goons, to Deidre the Auditor, to, to Rakakuni and <laughs> <in> other universe. <laughs> Instead of destroying them, she fixes them, loves them, and fulfills them. All that is left is her daughter, Joy. Joy insists on bringing the bagel down on the universe to end everything, but Evelyn pushes past her walls and welcomes her into her arms. A healing touch gives Joy the perspective she needs to straighten out her worldview. The family goes on to pass the audit and continue enriching each other's lives in every universe. The end. There we have it. The events of everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's begin our discussion by going over our pros and cons. Jay, what did you like about everything, everywhere, all at once? I mean, I like... I, I love this movie um so some of my pros you know like if you're you're gonna force me to put into bullet points which you are which i appreciate yep. <laughs> it's original it's uh i i i love that it's original i love that it's concise despite the title you know it very much is self-contained it doesn't leave you wanting more i would say the choreography and the impact of the fight scenes i felt every punch and every swift movement no matter how much i was laughing <laughs> at the same time I, I i could feel the impact of every fight scene and and i i loved that and it's a movie about everything it's a movie that is everywhere and it does indeed happen all at once or rather <laughs> wow in a, in a two hour span two <laughs> hours <laughs> 21 minutes span. selling yeah it's, it's really delivering on its promise it, it, it is you know it, it really does an amazing amount it, you know two and a half hours seems like you know kind of a long movie but it, it it isn't it doesn't feel that way whatsoever it's philosophy and it's family and it all, all of the themes are beautifully intertwined in a way that i've never seen before and the absolute highlight of the movie that had me in stitches in the theater was rakakuni <laughs> rakakuni <laughs> is man the absolute best universe there, there, <laughs> Hands there, down. there was a distinct moment in the movie where i totally forgot about evelyn and the whole plot and was just worrying what happened to rakakuni <laughs> oh, amazing so uh those are great jay we'll move on to eli eli what did you like uh, about this movie um i think jay touched on this a little bit it's original uh but more so it is one of the most creative movies I've ever seen. It, just in terms of filmmaking technique and storytelling, there there are so many parts in this movie where I was expecting it to go one way, but it zagged so hard in the other direction that it made me laugh, not just for like 
the joke itself, but the sheer audacity <laughs> that they were doing what they were doing. It, you know, it's it's you know, I I don't want to be the guy to talk about you know, uh, IP saturation. You know, with like you know superhero no i think superhero movie. i think you can't talk about this movie without talking about that for sure i, I think this movie is that you know it, it it is a response to that i mean yeah a hundred percent and you know it it really feels so genuine and creative and original like jay said and i really love that and it's not just like that it's original that it's great it's also some of the best filmmaking i've ever seen you talk about the editing the set design the action choreography the performances the cinematography, it just feels like it's one of those special movies. And I've talked about this before, I think, on this podcast when we were talking about Dune, but it's one of those movies where you feel like everybody on the cast and crew were on the same page. Everybody was on a mission to see this vision fulfilled, and you really can feel that. There's no, like, I have no evidence of it, you know, tactfully, or that's no tactile evidence of that, but you can just, it's one of those, like, you just feel it in the filmmaking. And what really sends this movie over the edge for me is its blending of absurdist humor and emotional gravitas. I, I, <laughs> it is so batshit insane. Just the absolute nuts, like, <laughs> just insane. Like, but it's all grounded in this very real feeling family drama um, that leaves me crying both from the emotions happening, but also the sheer insanity. It was... It was unlike any movie I think I've ever seen, and that's why I really, really loved it. I really echoed that kind of like blending of absurdist and like good emotion. You know, this movie took me everywhere from laughing to crying. Like it was in everywhere in between, and it's it's really difficult to get to any of those points, but to go to all of them uh, is really something. Uh, let's move on to Joey. Joey, what did you like about this movie? This movie is visually stunning. There are moments where, like, my eyes are locked on the screen and so much is happening all at once. Um, You know, it's a truly imaginative movie. You know, I went and saw Doctor Strange (laughs) after I saw this movie, and it just doesn't hold a candle to it. You know, people like, it's like, oh, uh, that movie is crazy with all of its, you know, uh, blending of different uh, universes. Remember that one scene where they go through like four different universes where one of them are paint? It's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not impressed. Um, Yeah, I think this movie does such an incredible job of, of telling the story in a such a a beautiful way um it's an incredibly entertaining fun relatable timely and creative story and it's supported by some of the best acting you'll see some of the best editing and directing um i love evelyn as a protagonist she obviously represents a specific you know type of person a specific demographic but i definitely related to her and um her struggle very personally um and it left me with this lingering warm feeling and like of goodwill that I just wanted to bathe in long after watching it. Um, you know, after I after I watched out of the theater the first time, you know, like the first thing that came to mind was like, this is why you go to the movies, um, is to to feel like this. And I wanted to sit in it for as long as possible. Um, and also the sound design is amazing. Um, there's so many just tiny little moments that are accentuated by the sound design. When uh, Wayman is uh, giving himself paper cuts, for example, uh, ah. sounds, he, uh, when he pulls the, <laughs> when he does the last one, it sounds like a sword like coming out of a sheath. It's like, a ah. 
it, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it's it's it really brings you into the movie and it gives it that um, absurd and fun feel throughout. Yeah, I I actually I really love that you brought that example up because when I first my first watch of this movie, I I had to close my eyes. I couldn't watch this guy give himself <laughs> paper cuts. But then the second time I watched, I I watched and, and there's really not a lot to it. Like looking at his actual fingers, it's not like you see any blood or anything. It's no. it's really not that hard to watch. It's all in the sound design, which is is just amazing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna echo a lot of what you guys said. Incredible visuals. I mean, wow, uh, great action. That's really easy to see. Uh, like one of my biggest. Uh, pet peeves when it comes to action and film is when it's just all jump cuts and you, it's really difficult to track actually what's happening and you get to see everything in this movie complete with like a, a camera that's somehow attached to the fanny pack as it's <laughs> like rolling across the ground and tripping guys like amazing stuff the action was just unbelievable uh, I, I love when movies are able to pair a just a huge, impossibly large conflict like saving the multiverse with small, relatable personal conflict like repairing your personal relationships. And the way that they married those two concepts was just amazing. Uh, it, it keeps something like saving the multiverse from being too big to really even care about. Yes. Um, and just like comparing it to Doctor Strange, I mean, the multiverse is a very popular uh, you know, concept right now in fiction and, and popular media. And this felt like a fresh take on it, despite how much multiverse content there is out there. I'm surprised we haven't said her name yet, but Jamie Lee Curtis is so good in this movie. <laughs> and uh, she really, at, like, <laughs> she really puts it all out there and doesn't have any sort of like instinct for self preservation <laughs> as she is making herself look ridiculous in a million different ways, which I really appreciate. And just like you guys said, I mean, this movie is heartfelt. It's thought provoking. It's funny. It's it's everything you want in a movie. So I, if, I really if I can uh, shout out one pro uh, in terms of a specific performance, uh, Kiwi or uh, Kihi Kwan as Waymond stole the show for me. I thought everybody was spectacular, but he was the MVP for me. He made me laugh, made me cry, made me want to hug him, give the biggest bear <laughs> hug I could around. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I, I was I was watching interviews with him uh, prior to recording, and I had no idea he was out of acting for so long. Um, you know, I found out he was short round and in the Goonies, but after that, he was 20 years hiatus. It's and and yeah. he, wow. And this movie brought him back. <laughs> I mean, just um, just like the ability to play two characters in the same body so seamlessly, right? I mean, obviously he has the glasses that help like give that visual indicator, but just like the way that he's acting, it's not even like he's sucking in his gut or anything. You know, he's you can tell when he's Alpha Wayman when he's just Wayman. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 easy. <laughs> it's and, yeah, it's um, not just two; it's yeah. three because he has the the other successful CEO universe he's in. Also, that's right. So yeah, that, I think that one was Sigma Wayman. <laughs> 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 yeah, clear cut. But yep. Yeah, not not to, not the dragon, but yeah. If I uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was spectacular. Everybody was spectacular, but uh, Kihi Kwan, I want to give a shout out to. No, absolutely, and well deserved. And and truthfully, we could spend the next hour going over <laughs> pros. But in the interest of moving this thing forward, we'll go to our cons, uh, which I think is a much more difficult thing to uh, to p pull out of this film. Uh, so I'll start with you this time, Eli. What did you not like about this movie? While I did love the insanity at times, it got a little too indulgent and sort of 
bled into the more dramatic sections where <laughs> where what was being said was super emotional but what was going on on the screen was so jarring it was hard it, i felt like my brain was in two like the hamster wheel had no idea where to go so uh <laughs> if i like i i love that the daniels are so you know crank it to 11 but at times i was like all right you guys can go to 10 like it's <laughs> no one's gonna judge you, <laughs> you can pull it down just a touch yeah, yeah. And, and i hate the second con i have because i hate i don't want to say the word drag but there was a section in between the end of Act 2 and the beginning of Act 3 around the climax where it just felt like, all right, this is the ultimate. Oh, this is the ultimate part. Oh, nope, this is the final. All right. And it kept like, you know, I thought the movie was going to teeter, you know, tip over to the third act about like five times. It was just sort of this uh, expectations that kept getting undermined and not in a fulfilling way. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and what about you, Jay? What did you not like about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's wrong Eli you don't like what I, I wrote uh, it's a, on the, no uh, it's, it's beautiful <laughs> succinctly written criticism that could go on the pages of the New Yorker <laughs> it, it rep- okay I I thought man there's just one too many scenes with hot dog fingers man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it was uh. like I I think it probably and maybe you guys can tell me if this is true or not. I feel like there might have been just like one universe of all the universes that just like took it a little too far. Like Eli was saying, just a little too indulgent, a little too wacky for my personal taste. But that's totally just like my personal taste. Like every time the hot dog fingers were on the screen, I couldn't take anything seriously. <laughs> like it just everything like flew out the window, and I and I and I kind of stopped like seeing the movie and just kind of being like oh god oh god <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and, but and so i i do i agree with eli's point and yeah if i if i really had to think about it hard you know i yeah like the the third act you know like it's drags a bit like uh you know the the slightest bit but i mean i i truly had a hard time coming up with anything outside of that and that's just you know, like comes down to personal taste honestly um, yeah, I, I want to live in a world where the only criticism we can come up with for movies is that it has too many hot dog fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the kind of world I want. That's the kind of universe I want to jump to personally. Um, for me, uh, uh and I like, honestly, I just kind of like Eli, I feel half hearted even saying this, but the multiverse traveling rules don't make any sense and they're completely undermined throughout the movie right there's no like consistency about how it's supposed to work or like like where it comes from you get some little like ideas but most of it's kind of undermined for um you know jokes and for cool moments um like the idea that like like how does um joy like change outfits and like how does she change like her weapons and stuff like is that i i, I never really got an explanation for how exactly that was supposed to work but Honestly, I was so taken by this movie that I really didn't care about any of that stuff. You know, I it, the there was obviously something that they were trying to get to, and the way they got there was amazing. And they didn't limit themselves by saying, "Oh, we've set up rules that we have to break" or anything. You know, it's they can do whatever they want, and yeah, I think it. I think they did the right thing by going as far as they could. I mean, it's amazing to watch a movie where they're like, it seems like. They sat in a writer's room, came up with some ideas, and they were like, the next day, they were like, okay, let's take those ideas and pretend that they're normal, and let's go to the next level and see how far <laughs> we can get those. And then we'll take those ideas and see how far we can take those. Because um, it really does feel like that. It really does feel like they really stretch the imagination, um, which is, I think, a, um, 
uh, Jay's con proves my point to that, where it's like it will go too far for some people. So it will make you uncomfortable uh, at how far it goes, which I, I thought was amazing. Well, I also had a tough time coming up with any cons. I think this movie is just really good. And uh, I guess if I could make one thing slightly better, it would be the the final fight sequence when she has decided to defeat everyone with kindness. We get uh, like a handful of really like satisfying sequences of that. But then we have like the raccoonie. We She climbs on his shoulders and then the guy starts like fighting them, which is... <laughs> Not what she's doing anymore. She's being nice to them. But then it cuts to having them all been like, quote, defeated. But it's all clearly been nice stuff that happened to them. Mm. I would have preferred less people getting nice stuff done to them and more actually showing us what she did to make it nice. Uh, And that wouldn't even need to go that deep, you know, just give us one quick flash into some other universe that she just like is impacting their life in where she's like holding them up or like hugging them or or, or reuniting them, anything. Right. Yeah. But I felt like that was almost like, ah, we we have put too many people in this fight. So let's just have uh, a cut to them already being defeated. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm kind of grasping right, it, for it, that. It does feel like an, uh, an et cetera. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like some of those characters we didn't even really know. So it's like, I don't yeah. care if the Mario, uh, if the, like the, the singing guys from the laundromat are really all that involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, yeah, was that one of them? The guy who had like the keyboard around his neck, <laughs> like the big circle on his forehead? Yes, like, yeah. Is that one of the singing guys? Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> it's just like, who is this guy? <laughs> just standing in the background. Well, while we're talking about the, the three singing guys from the laundromat, one of those guys, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Workaholics, but one of the like Chinese singing guys is a character he played a character on workaholics whose name is waymond so uh, i thought that was a fun little (laughs) crossover maybe there's a multiverse where he is the waymond that is married (laughs) to evelyn wow (laughs) who knows (laughs) Uh, okay but that that is going to get us through our pros and cons and we'll move on to our overall section where we have some questions that joey is going to ask go ahead joey okay so um, you guys reached out to us and said, hey, we want to do everything everywhere all at once. So I'm going to ask you why you chose this movie. Uh, we'll start with you, Eli. Uh, I really wanted to talk about this movie. I don't know if it's the best movie I've ever seen, but it might be the best made movie I've ever seen. And I touched wow. on this a little bit earlier, but it is so well executed it's hard to wrap my mind around just how they did it. And I think it's going to be one of these movies that should be taught in like film schools to analyze, not just the actual like filmmaking, but really get down the nuts and bolts of how these two directors with a budget of 25 million managed to make this. It is, I I think a lot of people are like not aware of how indie this movie is with how much critical success it's had. It, mm-hmm. it, it it's amazing and i've been watching you know behind the scenes stuff and i've just been learning all the ways daniels were able to create this movie using really low budget techniques if you watch an interview on youtube i, I can't remember what youtube channel it is but they essentially talk about how they made the 99 cent store version of the star wars mandalorian <laughs> like uh screen <laughs> where they just went into a room and put some uh green screen around some led lights and I think that's the stuff people should analyze. I think that's the stuff people should talk about, not just, you know, 
oh, what what is you know industrial light and sound? What is Skywalker Studio? Uh, you know Skywalker Sound yeah. doing? What is Marvel doing? Look at these guys. Look at what they're doing and analyze their writing, their cinematography, their visual effects, the, the how they get their actors per, to perform. It's it's really a movie that should be talked about in in that context because I think it's really special and. I, again, I don't want to sound like a Martin Scorsese who's <laughs> complaining about superhero <laughs> movies, but I do think people could learn a lot from seeing the practicality and sort of the low budgetness that these guys made because I the action of this movie is on par with some of the best in like recent years. So I, I, I really wanted to talk about this movie to to just really get to translate to people why i think this is so special not just on a personal level but on a holistic level in terms of the filmmaking medium yeah i mean it's easier now for people to break into great content creation than ever before you know and you know this is definitely like a typical movie you know made with a studio but it's um at the same time it has those kind of hacks and stuff but it's still i mean it looks incredible that's the thing you know and it's not just, it's also like, I mean, it's taking you places too. And it's also, you know, it's about representation too. Like this is primarily right. Asian uh, cast using act, actual Asian actors, um, you know, legacy actors, new actors. It, it's just, I think it's a very special movie that should be talked about a lot, especially by the end of the year as being one of the best in 2022. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally on the same page, especially with the aspect of like, I want everybody to see this movie like i you know like this this movie like yeah. and yeah it's it's gonna be too weird for some people you know like they're they're not gonna jive you know with all the the hot dog fingers and rakakuni and, and and all the different things and but i i still think it's you know i still want everyone to see it like i just please just like see it through and and just feel the humor and feel the warmth and and the love that this movie has and and the one vision that all these people that made this movie put into it i mean this movie is incredible in every facet you know it's fantastic cosmically it's great comically family representationally the choreograph and the choreography delivery of the actors and actresses i just i just never seen a movie quite like this and it's heartfelt and it scratched a sci-fi itch and it also made me question my existence in the universe and most movies (laughs) are lucky if they can nail just one of those things and this movie it does them all um and i think it's more than more than worth your time and and your money to to see because yeah like I, I think people might see the reviews and like oh yeah another a24 movie you know like nine out of ten but it's probably boring as hell I was like no <laughs> this is this is not this is not that you know like go go see this movie so yeah yeah and it's it's interesting that you kind of come at it with this like you've you're now uh you know evangelizing about uh everything everywhere all at once because um even before you guys reached out to us about doing this movie so many people had told me after seeing this movie, oh, you have to see it, you know, and 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 it's the kind of recommendation where it it, it need not even be explained. It's just like you just go see it. I don't even. I'm like just take it on on like it's better to just go and find out why i'm so enthusiastic than to have me try to sell you on oh but it's got the multiverse oh but it's got you know uh 
these Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I just want to see the next Jamie Lee Curtis vehicle. Aren't you the biggest Jamie Lee Curtis head? Listen, I I am a big Activia guy, so that actually could have gotten me. But instead of needing anything like that, it, 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 but I guess what I'll just say, I have seen that as well. You talk about like having this feeling to want to get other people to see this movie. You're not alone, and and uh, the, you know it's 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 really impressive to see the kind of uh, uh, popularity that this indie film has. Yeah, it's got incredible legs. Um, I mean, it just keeps making more money. <laughs> um, okay, so Jay, let's continue with you. And what does what speaks to you in this movie personally? So, what what it speaks to me personally because there's so many different things that it it can speak to. And like, so it spoke to a lot of different things about my life. Like specifically, like I haven't been religious since high school. And since then I've gone through various phases of believing that the universe and life itself is meaningless. During a portion of my life, I've been Jobu Tapaki, where I wanted the world to be sucked into an everything bagel and have it all be over with in an instance. I didn't understand why one would choose to have been brought into the world that the act of having a child was inherently wrong because life was so miserable. If you couldn't tell, that was when I was a teenager. (laughs) In college and since college, I think about my experiences and think about the things I missed out on. And and that portion of my life, I, I saw myself as Evelyn. And I went to the first meeting of a dozen different clubs and groups and never returned and missed out on connections with my peers and professors and spent time just being frustrated at the system of higher education rather than making the most out of the situation that I was in and that, you know, society kind of pushed me into out of high school. And now as an adult, I remain steadfast in my opinion that the universe thinks nothing of us here on earth, that everything will eventually be sucked into a ball and then spit back out again to do it all over again. But that doesn't mean that we can't do our best. I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's so bleak that we can only make the most of a few precious moments, but then the fact that we can make the most of our whole lives, even without existential meeting, you know, even without an all-knowing presence determining if I end up in heaven or hell or reincarnated into a lesser or greater being, I can still enjoy my life and help others enjoy their lives as well. And yeah, you know, I'm going to mess it up, you know, like a lot of, like, you know, all of the characters I've mentioned so far have, and I, I will continue to do so. And you know, it's a great shortcoming of mine that I tend to dwell on those failures in an unhealthy manner. But, you know, I'm no longer in a place where that negativity stops me from living my life or trying to make something right in my own mind. In my own mind. Everything, everywhere, all at once showed me my teenage angst, my college ire, my college hates and mistakes that I made, and, and my life as I see it now. It did all of those things in different characters and different themes, and it didn't belittle it. It didn't make fun of it in a way that made me feel less than, but it was still incredibly funny. And in fact, it told me all of those things are worthwhile. All of my experiences are impactful and beautiful in their own right. And so, like, really dissecting this movie just, you know, showed me, showed, showed me all of myself. Like, it showed me everything, right? Like, you know, like, it's, it, it's there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it spoke to me uh, in, in several different ways. 
Yeah, I can definitely relate to like your whole journey here for sure. I mean, I feel like I've gone through a very similar one. And like existentialism is kind of been my mantra for a while now. And this movie certainly speaks to the inevitable conclusion of that kind of uh, idea, right? Nihilism is an, is a unsustainable philosophy. You either like end up burning out, you know, you end up killing yourself or you end up going somewhere positive or doing something, making something of it. And for me, it was, you know, learning that I could make my own meaning and that, you know, the stuff that was around me was my universe and that's what I had the ability to affect. So I think, I think this movie does such an incredible job of portraying that. It makes me feel validated in that feeling. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I love, you know, I love the way that you've spelled this out, Jay, because it, it certainly feels like every piece of this movie speaks to a different piece of a, like a section of my life that I've been in. And each of those characters, despite, you know, not looking like me or having very different experience than me, like growing up in the U.S. or, you know, immigrating to the U.S., like I could still feel that angst and I feel that connection to them in a way that um, I, I never even thought was possible. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, no, I appreciate you being so honest with us, Jay. And I, and I think that um, it makes sense because it's the type of thing that this, this kind of movie evokes. You know, it, it, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about how wacky it is and how it's not afraid to be weird, but it's also not afraid to go to kind of an uncomfortable place uh, from kind of an emotional level and um, make you think about, you know, pretty uncomfortable ideas about existence but also give you hope and uh, kind of a, a antidote to that, uh, that nihilism. So, um, and you can make the, you can decide for yourself if you think that antidote is valid or, or really works or, or whatever, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it at least posits that there is an answer and a way out of this unending darkness, uh, which, you know, is, is something that at the very, like, no matter what your belief system is, I think everyone just by living has at least gotten close to that idea. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it has a lot to offer, uh, from that emotional standpoint. Eli, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of echo what Jay and Jay, that was beautifully put. And I, I agree with a lot of things, uh, particularly in one of my, uh, personal, you know, journeys i think everybody kind of goes through that feeling of what if you know you imagine different realities where you did things and you know you think there's a better version of you somewhere and you see that materialize in the film with evelyn i think alpha wayman specifically says you are the least like successful version of evelyn i've ever seen (laughs) yes we actually we have have a quote quote for that that i've seen thousands of evelyns but never an evelyn like you you have so many goals you never finished. Dreams you never followed. You're living your worst you. I can't be the worst. What about the hot dog one? No. Can't you see? Every failure here branched off into a success for another Evelyn and another life. Most people only have a few significant alternate life paths so close to them. But you, here, you're capable of anything because you're so bad at everything <laughs> inspiring i guess i, I know <laughs> I, I distinctly remember holding i was trying to hold in a laugh as hard as i ever could because it was so hilarious 
just the the intense music and his delivery, but what he's saying is so mean. <laughs> no, yeah. Alpha, Alpha Wayman's a Alpha Wayman's a dick for sure. No, he's a <laughs> no, but but it is one of my favorite character journeys, and and I study a lot of like you know heroes journey things. I love when characters realize what they've been searching for has been in front of them their their whole t- this whole time. Evelyn throughout the movie is trying to find a multiverse where she's, you know, great, you know, she's perfect. But over the course of the movie, she realizes, oh, that universe is here with me, mm-hmm. with my family. And it is one of my favorite character arcs. It's one of my favorite stories of that of that journey of realizing, hey, like all those other universes I splintered off to. Sure, some of them might be living great lives, but they're all missing something. So if I jumped to them, I'd probably be missing something too. So let's just enjoy what I'm here and not wish for something else. And, and the fact that this movie did this without taking itself too seriously for the most part is one of like the great writing techniques. I, I, as a writer myself, I have to strive for, I love stories that don't take themselves too seriously, but have the ability to do so. And I think everything everywhere all at once is a perfect example of that, where (laughs) you got, Rakakunis and hot dog fingers and people shoving things up their bums to fight kung fu style <laughs> but right. being able to make an audience you know cry and connect with a character it, it shows such a skill in the storytelling medium to be able to balance those two things that that though that really spoke to me from just a storytelling standpoint with everything everywhere just to go back to that quote really quickly, I love that Alpha Wayman, like the way he said that, it's like, you're living your worst life uh, because it's kind of phrased the same way that people on social media will be like, you know, post a picture of them like on the beach with a mimosa or something. And they're like, living my best life. Like the implications <laughs> that they're like doing things and like trying to succeed and succeeding and living your worst life isn't like getting addicted to heroin and dying in a ditch. It's trying and failing (laughs) running a laundromat (laughs) and then the ottoman it's like actually putting in a a decent effort everything going wrong that's living your worst life uh eli uh let's uh, let's move on to the next question with you first um what does this movie remind you of um in your own life or in other media oh i just i'm such a fan of martial arts films i grew up with them Specifically zany ones like Stephen Chow's, if you know about uh, Stephen Chow, like Kung Fu Hustle, Shaolin Soccer. I really got those vibes. Shaolin Soccer is insane. I love (laughs) Shaolin Soccer. It's so great. And I don't know if I, I, in my heart of hearts, I believe Daniels are also huge fans. (laughs) Um, That would make sense. That would make sense. I I just want to give a shout out uh, specifically, not just Kung Fu uh, martial arts films, but specifically those in the wuxia genre. If people don't know, Wuxia, uh, W-U-X-I-A is a genre specifically of like Hong Kong action movies where people are doing martial arts uh, choreography, but there's usually like a magical component. The characters are usually some legends or, you know, mythological figures. And this Mm. this movie has that DNA, I feel, at its core. So it really resonated with me, you know, (laughs) when I was a kid at my grandma's house watching Shaolin soccer, it really... You know, I, I almost had that that uh, that ratatouille moment where he takes the bite of the ratatouille, and like he has that flashback. <laughs> I, I almost felt that way watching. But instead, that was you seeing Golden Leg kick a soccer ball that hits the goalie and sends him through the net. <laughs> when the guy jumps onto the butt plug, 
That's the moment I had my flashback. <laughs> wow. no. um, but uh, so, so yeah, all the Wuxia, Stephen Chow, all those, like, I got a lot of DNA. However, I have to make this poll because this is the main movie I thought of. 2001's The One starring Jet Li. It is literally a plot of this normal dude living his normal life. And he finds out there's another version of himself going across the multiverse, killing different versions of himself to become the strongest version of himself. Oh wow! Yeah, I, <laughs> after I sent the movie, I I was like, "That's." I wonder if they seen the one. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's that, cool. Yeah, just Marshall. You could tell the Dan uh, uh, from this movie and Swiss Army Man. They clearly are cinematic alchemists. You can tell they love mashing together different genres and seeing what they can do. And this, you know, uh, when you guys were doing the introduction and <laughs> how'd you describe the movie? Uh, psychological sci-fi action family comedy thriller. You could have probably thrown six more descriptions onto it. <laughs> and I'm well, always looking for more. So yeah. next time, uh, give us some suggestions. Um, yeah. Well, Michelle Yao, of course is, uh, you know, she's a prolific martial arts, uh, actress, um, you know, crouching tiger, uh, Hidden Dragon is an incredible movie. Um, and that uses a bunch of that wire foo uh, technique. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore her. And she's, a, she's an incredible, um, incredible choreography, incredible like with action. Um, and it's amazing to watch her work. And this movie, I think, brings another element to that where she's like kind of confused that she has these powers. So she's like, you know, doing all of the martial arts stuff, but her expression is like kind of just worried or like, uh, you know, distressed, uh, which is not something you normally ha- like would show if you're a confident martial artist. Well, um, so yeah, and that, I, I think that's amazing. And that's why I wanted to reference the one again. For one, it's a fun, obscure martial arts movie. It, I, I recommend it. It's a good time. But also it's very similar in that a normal guy has to learn Kung Fu because an evil version of him is going around killing different versions. So yeah, there's, it, it's so similar that I think if it, it's not as emotionally in depth, <laughs> but right. if you, if you're in a, if you're just a, in for like a fun time watching Jet Li beat the shit out of Jet Li, <laughs> I recommend the one. <laughs> what about you, Jay? Anything this reminds you of? Yeah. So I think we've alluded to it, but I think that it's difficult not to, see how this movie serves as a contrast to the cinematic universes of today. It tells a story via with the vehicle of the multiverse in about two hours, and you don't need a shred of extra media to understand or appreciate it. It's big and bombastic without being overdramatic or taking itself too seriously or telling outright dumb jokes. You know, I, I loved Spider-Man No Way Home, and I'm sure I'll enjoy the multiverse of madness when I get around to it, but there's no denying that everything, everywhere, all at once, is something special all by itself. You know, the, the MCU is a, an amazing feat, and, you know, we'll appreciate it, and maybe it'll even exist for decades to come. Who knows? <laughs> but everything, everywhere, all at once, you know, is this beautiful, self-contained story about the multiverse and it, it it nails it and so you know it's easy to relate it to those things and and compare it and that it does so much in one movie where you know i i don't know if the entire mcu has said as much about life in all its movies <laughs> no well the mcu doesn't take nearly as many risks you know this is an mm-hmm. ambitious movie 
right? It, it's possible for things not to work. I was, I was, after you talked about like the hot dog fingers, Jay, I was thinking back on this movie. And when I saw it with my fiance, uh, before it gets to a lot of the emotionally charged stuff that really, really touched her, there's a whole scene where she's just staring at me because uh, Joy is beating someone to death with dildos. <laughs> she's like, why did you take me to see this movie? <laughs> I'm like, come on, just watch, just watch. Just wait, just wait, and just then, wait. Um, <laughs> and then uh, there's that girl, that, that woman that uh, uses her dog as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, uh, Jenny, I'm sorry. I'm sorry the dog's being hurt, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, though, no, it's, um, you know, this movie takes, you know, it doesn't take itself seriously. So it's able to, you know, make itself into something new. But I, I think that, I think this movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, in combination with Multiverse of Madness, really did break the spell for me of the MCU. Just showing how just um, creatively bankrupt the MCU is at this point, right? I certainly enjoyed all the movies up to this point, uh, you know, up until Endgame, basically. But I, um, but after that, I was like, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm jumping off this train as much as I am able to. But I, I mean, I saw the new Doctor Strange movie, and I certainly wasn't impressed. Not in the way that this movie really showed what was possible. You know, um, in many ways, this is sort of like a movie from another universe in which film is uh, like not quite as. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what, this, what the word is. But I, can hear you walking, like, I can hear you shallow. Speak, yeah, speaking around the landmines right now. <laughs> right. It's, it, like, yeah, so I, I feel like this movie, it, I mean, it doesn't, it's not, it definitely feels like its own thing. And reading about some of the development of it, right, it definitely feels like something that they were trying to, to do uh, without being a response to anything, right? But you can't make a movie like this without addressing how it is. Um, in direct contrast to the majority of, uh, you know, the big blockbusters that are out in theaters today. You know, I was talking to somebody about Jurassic World um, uh, the, the last week, and uh, they said, I was like, yeah, he's like, oh, I, you know, I don't know about the Jurassic World. I don't know if I'm going to see it or something. Or I'm like, why does anyone think this movie is going to be good? There's only been one good Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> why do people keep coming back to the theater for these movies? Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait. They brought back the original actors, so that'll make it good, right? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Um, I wish I could jump to a universe where you were and I were in the same room so I could strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> quick, 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 Joey, eat some chapstick. That'll <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, no, of course. Uh, the... Yeah, but I, that's the thing. It's like, and then he said to me, uh, well, you know, that's, that's just how movies are today. And I said, I, like, we were in a big group and I just sat back in my chair and was like, who here has seen everything everywhere all at once? This is my antidote to all movies. You know, <laughs> if you, you know, if you're, if you're stuck in this, this, uh, this rift where you're like, oh, I, you know, I might as well go see the new dinosaur movie. That's got Jeff Goldblum playing himself in it. Um, you know, instead maybe, uh, consider shilling out $20 to a work of art that actually tried to do something original. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think that, we're living in, in some ways, some of the, like the uh, the worst time for movies, um, just because like the theater has become such a like a hollow place. Um, but in some ways, like there's these incredible opportunities. All these barriers have been uh, let down so that ordinary people can make great films, and people that are really talented and have a great vision, like the Daniels, can really uh, go after something and and make it what they want. You know. Uh, the limits on what is visually possible have been completely eroded for big studios. And 
uh, that that is soon coming to the little guy as well. Well, I want to bring it back to the initial question. Uh, what does this movie remind you of in your life or in other media? And uh, something was screaming out to me the the whole time watching this movie, and it was The Matrix. This movie had that same, not only did it kind of have the same feeling of the first time I watched The Matrix, where I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of this, but it's, it makes so much sense, and it's so <laughs> awesome. Like, jumping into The Matrix, or verse jumping, you know, like, in each respective movie, was something where you're just like, oh, this is so cool, show me more, like, I just I just want to learn more about how this this works, and, uh, but specifically this this film has direct references to the matrix like the first thing that evelyn learns through verse jumping is kung fu and everybody yep. remembers that famous line where neo just <laughs> basically looks almost directly in the camera and says i know kung fu <laughs> and then uh and uh, and then also when the alpha verse is you know they've got their little control center where oh, they're yeah. ju- verse jumping in they're driving this like kind of junky van around and everything's shaking inside there and 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 you can see Alpha Wayman who's currently verse jumping so it's just like his lifeless body sitting in the chair with all the contraptions I mean come on <laughs> yeah so <laughs> like the Nebuchadnezzar full of, with yeah. Morpheus and and and, and uh, all the other guys and who there are isn't even like that. a visual GUI right it's just all like lines of code on the screen (laughs) yep yep and then what happens when evelyn finally reaches full enlightenment she stops bullets in (laughs) midair okay so it's it was i mean it was just clearly like referencing uh, the matrix and inspired by the matrix which uh is even you know literally confirmed i don't know what this says about you and me benjamin that my first thought is like oh this is clearly inspired by the one (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) this is definitely gently's the one (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah obviously Uh, everyone knows the one (laughs) well well i have well you may have a strong case for it being inspired by the one i do have a quote from daniel kwan uh, where he says, this movie is 100% a response to The Matrix, obviously. <laughs> He's, we wanted to make our version of it. It was wild to be like, oh, we took so long that the Wachowskis beat us to it. And that was in reference to the fact that The Matrix 4 came out That's right. uh, before this came <laughs> well, out. Well, but, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Kwan, but you're wrong. You were clearly inspired by Jet Li's The One, and you been, just don't yeah, realize it. you accepted watch the one in your sleep <laughs> uh, it's just me in a car and daniel kwan's dreams with a blu-ray dvd <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're driving around like trying to trying to verse jump into uh, like, another version of him to show him the one <laughs> that's awesome but but yeah just to kind of relate it to it joey is just saying like i've i've rewatched the matrix recently and I, it still slaps i love that movie but it's hard to get that feeling of the first time you saw the matrix again and everything everywhere all at once gave me that same kind of experience uh you know for a new movie which feels pretty rare at this point despite us watching movies at a decently aggressive clip uh it's hard to find those movies where you're like where you get that kind of the matrix feeling so um big ups for uh kind of carrying that through definitely um okay let's uh let's move into another uh kind of deeper section here uh so um, Eli, what what themes were present for you in this movie that you want to talk about? Yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, themes, 
cliches, the whole hero's journey is very prevalent in this movie, even though it is so chaotic. It's still clearly following a familiar structure of, you know, the character's inward journey. You see Evelyn trying to overcome her issues, that being, you know, her familial struggles, and sort of masks them by the, you know, her her daughter becoming a malevolent multiversal entity, <laughs> um, and and she tries to fight the you know, she tries to fight Joy as Jobu Tupaki as being herself a multiversal kung fu fighter, but you but you see she she only wins in the end because she kind of abandons that guy's and just approaches. Jobu Tapaki, not as you know, malevolent multiversal sorceress, but as her daughter. You know, you see, the, Evelyn wins in the end because she learns to drop the fists and just fight with love. And it's so <laughs> cliche, but I think it's so necessary in a movie about nihilism to show the power of human empathy and human connection. So, oh yeah, that for <laughs> me really resonated and put this movie into like, you know. 9 out of 10 to like 11 out of 10 right away. I um speaking of other media, uh the the overall message of this movie, which I think we'll we'll jump to uh after this. Um it reminds me of when I read uh, Infinite Jest, which one of the um one of the things I took away from that book um was uh, well, it was a bunch of not helpful things, but one of the things that was helpful that I took away from that book was that some of life's greatest mysteries have very, very simple solutions. And um, one of these, you know, the thing that, that this movie posits as a solution to kind of an overwhelming like, feeling of nihilism is to be kind, which is one of those things that is really hard to accept as true because it is uh, so simple, right? You think that there's something, that, something harder or something more complicated that's, that would be that solution. But then you, if you really think about it, being kind is one of the hardest things you can be. And um, you, I mean, we even see this from Waymond, right? When he announces, he, he tries to tell everyone, hey, let's, let's try getting along instead. <laughs> All, every, everyone just smirks at him. You know, everyone just kind of laughs, you know, and is like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. You know, which is the response when people say stuff like that, because it seems too easy, you know, but if, but if you ever actually tried to do it, it's so much harder than it seems. Um, it's so much easier to push people away and to, and to make excuses um, than it is to go out of your way to be kind. Um, and I think that's, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful message to take away. Uh, Jay, what about you? What kind of uh, themes spoke to you? Well, one thing that like you were, you were just saying that I kind of want to jump off of is, you know, like the idea that like, you know, the world is like a, a doggy dog world, you know, like if you were not the biggest dog you were going to get, you know, gobbled up and, you know, churned through the machine and, and taken out, right? Um, it turned into hot dogs. It, exactly. It turned into hot dogs, sent to another universe, and put on somebody's fingers, you know. That, that kind of <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think, like, and, and we sort of have the world seems to have, like, this mutually assured destructive attitude, you know, when this movie posits, you know, like, if we just, if everybody bought into this concept of just being kind, it would not be a difficult solution. You know, like if we had mutually assured kindness, <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> the world, you know, would be a lot better off, you know, that um, like it, it just takes everybody just to say, yes, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's jump in 
just like this movie does, you know, two feet head first, you know, like the, the whole shebang and, and just go for it. And, you know, we can, we can accomplish it. And, you know, through yeah, it, it, we, it's important, you know, to talk about these complicated things, you know, and like the themes in this movie that I saw, you know, between nihilism versus existentialism, talking about complicated family issues, you know, that like go span back generations and, you know, generational trauma and talking about that, like, holy smokes. And then you're just talking about, uh, but then like, and then the, the movie's funny. And then like, <laughs> you know, and, and, that, and, then it, and then it hits you with that humor. And, you know, that is like an integral part of it, you know, because, you know, like we keep coming back to this movie took itself way too seriously you know, I think it could just, it, it, it wouldn't be as notable, you know, but I think the humor that, you know, comes through and, and keeps coming up, I think lightens it and makes it digestible and makes it, you know, easier to consume and to, and to put back out and for us to sit here and talk about these serious things, but still laugh with each other and, talk about butt plugs and hot dog fingers and raccoons controlling you to become the greatest hibachi chef of all time you know like all, all, all and it's just like i care about that freaking raccoon man like there's, there's like there's no other way to say it and you know all, and yet it's all the same movie and that's amazing. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, like, the, it, everything speaks to me. You, you audience at home, unfortunately, can't see our view. Jay has a puppet raccoon he has taped to his head. <laughs> <laughs> that he is working to cosplay at the next con. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, for real, though, Raccoon is at the top of my Halloween costume list right oh, now. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, man. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Holy smokes. I've never even seen a Ratatouille cosplay, like a like, uh, costume. Oh, you that know? is such an easy It's cosplay. so easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I never thought about it. <laughs> because then people come up to you and be like, what, are you just a chef? And then you lift your hat. And you pull it out. <laughs> But uh, but but kind of going off of that, like I think it, it's really interesting what you point out there, Jay, that they're, they're able to use humor and kind of absurdity to sneak in these kind of difficult topics to talk about, really. Um, and and it, but it makes it so much more accessible. Um, and I and I want to play this quote here that I think kind of goes along with that. She's been building something. We thought it was some sort of black hole, but it appears to consume more than just light and matter. We don't know exactly what it is. We don't know what it's for. But we can all feel it. You've been feeling it too, haven't you? Something is off. Your clothes never wear as well the next day. Your hair never falls in quite the same way. Even your coffee tastes wrong. Our institutions are crumbling. Nobody trusts their neighbor anymore. And you stay up at night wondering to yourself, how can we get back? I, I, I like how this kind of works on two levels, because uh, on one level, this is explaining like literally the main conflict of this movie. There's a uh, everything donut that's literally consuming the multiverses and filling people with this existential dread and like actually is a threat to all existence in all the timelines, right? Or all the m multiverses. But at the same time, it's kind of a commentary on what life is like 
I think kind of right now where it kind of feels like things are bad and getting worse. And, uh, you know, when they're talking about like our institutions are crumbling and, uh, you know, people don't trust their neighbor, it, it kind of crosses over that threshold from being strictly about the conflict in this film and then starts being a little bit like, hey, <laughs> I'm in this movie now. You know? and, <laughs> hey, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm in this movie and I don't like it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but but I think that's great because their answer is also just as applicable to your real life. You know, if you notice if you know this is a problem, here's how you can be part of the solution. Maybe you can't be the person who restores stability to like our important societal institutions, but you can be nice to your neighbors. You can be nice to your coworkers and the people you interact with on a day to day basis, and um and and you can have you can push back on that kind of existential and just societal dread, uh, which I think if you're going to make us feel that way in the first place, then it, uh, I appreciate you giving us the uh, some uh, a way to get out of it, or at least a you know like I said earlier, like a posit an answer for it. Yeah, I think I normally you know, and when I first wa- was watching this movie and it came across this part, this this kind of thing is a pet peeve of mine in movies when they're like, like I don't know if you guys have seen Eternals or not, but let's go back to the MCU for a moment. They're like, oh, you know, climate change? That's because there's a giant um, alien inside of the earth that is uh, <laughs> about to hatch. Um, and so climate change is not man-made at all. It's actually the cause of some sort of billion-year plan by the, um, uh, whatever they're called, uh, the celestials. Um, which is annoying, right? Because it's like, okay, like, uh, like this thing, uh, you're being cute about an existential threat, you know, to our, to all of us. Um, it, or like, uh, the Percy Jackson th- series does this constantly. No, there's no human being has ever done anything notable in the Percy Jackson, uh, series. Their only notable people are demigods or gods. Um, it's, it's annoying. So when he first says this, I'm like, okay, whatever. And then when they come to the solution, right. And they say, oh, maybe you should try being nice for once. Maybe you should be kind. <laughs> um, that is, it is a very, it feels like a very like solid and reasonable solution to what the bagel represents, which is raw nihilism. And Benjamin's absolutely right. I mean, we had a conversation not even a week ago, right, Benjamin, where I was talking about something in the news and you're like, yeah, but what does it matter? Nothing's going to change. You know, it, the, it really does feel like everyone is, falling apart you know it feels like the world is crumbling around us i mean this is what it feels like to be in a crumbling empire obviously you know america is uh, is falling apart so texas is trying to secede right now i don't know if you saw that stuff but it's it's a an incredible like idea that like we live in this world where everything is falling apart and maybe the solution for it is just to go home and love your family you know i mean the universe is the universe for you is the world around you and the way that you can change the universe or the world is by changing the way you interact with the things that are directly in front of you you know there's these grand big thing problems you know climate change and uh you know rising inflation and all these things that are intangible and affect you but it's hard to figure out what what role you play in them but there there is something you can do to affect your world and that thing is to love the people that are close to you and um, to go off of that, let's let's talk about let's talk more about this movie solution to nihilism. Um, Eli, you have something written here. Do you want to go with that? Yeah. So it's always this kind of falls under most branches of existentialism. Uh, you know, nihilism is just a kind of falls under yep. that umbrella term of existentialism. But I think whenever you talk about existential uh, fiction, absurdist fiction, the main goal for the character is to reach their solution in words. You 
like you mentioned as uh as you mentioned joey <laughs> for things that we can't fight against you know with our bare hands like you know inflation climate change things like that you know there's not a personified thing we could punch we have to look inwards to find solutions uh to our issues you know the anxieties the you know depressions the you know the fears and so in this movie as i mentioned previously uh evelyn's character only succeeds after she stops trying to fight and <laughs> just turns into a caring mom and i really think that's a really powerful um response to nihilism and and man i i am not <laughs> i'm not a mother <laughs> but oh my god i <laughs> i feel like this is the most accurate depiction of trying to connect with your daughter <laughs> just just when i yeah. was an angsty teenager i think i had that bagel that everything bagel i think you all feel the same way we all had our everything bagel phase <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think i love that the da- i love daniels were able to communicate such you know a dire topic instead of a humorous light you know (laughs) and i think that's another way to combat nihilism is to approach it with some humor not be so dour i think um i can't remember uh who said it but you're right if if the movie was taking itself too seriously this would be very difficult to sit through but because it's so funny because it's so lighthearted, because it's so ridiculous and embraces that ridiculousness it is so entertaining and in an odd way is the most effective way of battling nihilism one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh evelyn realizes that and she starts putting googly eyes on everything and she puts the googly (laughs) eyes on her on her rock form and chases (laughs) chases joy (laughs) off the cliff that's one of the funniest scenes to me and i think it's the perfect representation of how she's learning to battle nihilism is not by force but by just that annoying parenting love <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I i think you're actually i think you're absolutely right about what you, like this being a representation of motherhood um and like getting across that feeling because again like if you have a daughter if you have a you know um, a child that, that feels like you're they feel like your entire world right and when they're upset or whatever it feels like the entire world is collapsing you know so like coming to that the, the whole the macro and micro aspects of this movie's scale as we've mentioned work so well and it's because they tie those two things together and it's not you don't have to be a mother to understand where that is because you know you have a mother you know you you've been in a situation where someone is trying to reach out to you and they are struggling to do that in a way that's that that is meaningful to you you know um and it's easy it's easy to dismiss that but it's also it's so much harder and so much more worthwhile to try to build that bridge together and meet somewhere in the middle. And, and I love that the movie doesn't just have the conflict be, you know, both characters are fighting on the multiverse. It's also like a, uh, uh, there's some social elements that both the characters are fighting against, you know, yeah. uh, Evelyn is a first generation Chinese immigrant, you know, she's, you know, living here. She moved here. She's working here. Joy is a first, uh, you know, she didn't grow up in China as far as, uh, the movie you know, in any way, she grew up here. She's a lesbian. Um, you know, you have these combat. They're not just fighting fist to fist. You know, multiverse powered, multiverse powers. They're battling ideologies. They're battling personalities. And I think that's a conflict that helps heighten all the supernatural sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is they put that emotional moment where they're in the parking lot arguing 
on the same level as an epic kung fu oh, fight. Yeah. Right. And they they say these two things are equal. These two things are just as important. And um, that, that it's so touching. It's so amazing. Um, Jay, do you do you have anything to add to this? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my quotes actually was from that scene. So if you want to play that, go ahead. So what? I'm just gonna ignore everything else. You could be anything, anywhere. Might not go somewhere where your where your daughter is more than just this. <laughs> Here, all we get are a few specks of time where any of this actually makes any sense. <laughs> I will cherish these few specks of time. Yeah, I mean, that is the thesis of the movie to me. You know, that if, if I were to try to boil it down to a moment, that would be it. You know, it links back to so many different themes, including, you know, the nihilism, and talking about the purpose of the universe and and even more importantly you know in this moment of the movie it's finding a better path forward for evelyn and joy you know their their problems have not magically gone away even though just previously evelyn stands up to her father for joy telling her she has a girlfriend this is the reality, you know, that that we are in, I'm accepting it. Now you have to as well. And, you know, I think that that relates to how it deals with nihilism saying we can just do our best. You know, we can just try to do the next right thing. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. frozen too. <laughs> um popped into my brain. Um you know, but I mean, you know, that's 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 what it is. You know, that's, that's the whole, you know, I, I think that's how it deals with it. And I think, you know, it, it deals with it expertly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and that moment is so powerful. You know, uh, it, it really shows, uh, it really shows Joy's um, vulnerability, right. And, and kind of the root of all of her issues, um, which is kind of just, you know, fear. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's true that you know maybe we only have a few specks of time, but like that's all. It's kind of all we have, so uh, might as well do the most with what we have instead of just waiting for something else to happen or to saying it's not good enough. You know, this kind of attitude is the same kind of attitude I have when I sleep until two thirty in the in the afternoon. It's like I might as well just not do anything today because <laughs> today, the day is over. You know, I've already wasted too much of it. Yeah, uh, which is not true. You know, it's it's not that's not a that's not actually true i have plenty of time so um yeah and i'm well rested (laughs) (laughs) and and we haven't really talked about her a lot but i want to shout out stephanie shu for her performance as joy i thought she killed it along with these other titans of the industry i think she really she was really great i agree um okay so if you could go to any universe uh it doesn't just have to be a universe in this um in this world but uh, uh what universe would you like to go to okay 
I want to go to Hot Dog Finger Universe solely <laughs> to watch that version of 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I want to see the gorillas with the with the fingers. I want to see Hal 3000 with hot shaped like a hot dog. Let's go. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> that that gross baby at the end with the little shriveled hot dog fingers. Oh man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean. This may not be a surprise, but I gotta. I I need to know what happens to Rekakuni. I you know I I need <laughs> like I I wanted to know. Yes. I I want to I want to go to their restaurant. I want to experience his hibachi. <laughs> I want to sit there and see him un uncovered by the chef's hat, open to the world, so that everybody can see. Uh, the love between a man and his raccoon. <laughs> can, can we can we play that clip just yes, while we're talking about raccoonie? <laughs> we're a family. Culinarily. Now we're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'd do without you. <laughs> yeah, we make a pretty good team. Oh, no. Uh, you, you can't tell me one. I've seen too much. <laughs> you know what that means. Jenna! Jenna! I'm, I'm begging you. No, 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 no please. Let's go! Let's go! Like, this was such a well executed joke because earlier on, when she's saying Rakakuni, like she is misremembering the movie Ratatouille, mm-hmm. it kind of works like you're like ah well she's first generation immigrant um you know moms are always calling things by the wrong thing like my, mom, <laughs> my mom for she would always call because we watched a lot of spongebob growing up she would always call him instead of squidward she'd always say squidworth it was like it's not squidworth where are you getting that you know but it's like a mom thing or my friend's mom would always call the playstation the game station you know like it was like yeah, stuff yeah. like that so it 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 tracks. It's like such a mom moment for her to insist that it's Rakakui. Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon, yes. Yes. And um so I felt like that was funny in its own right. But then later, not to just be like, oh, we're in the Rakakuni universe, look at it, to have him singing. <laughs> to have it like to have you like just kind of fade into this scene where they're singing unbelievable i cried and this song like I, that I, it was actually the first time i cried watching this movie <laughs> i heard rakakuni singing <laughs> um so yeah that was that was just unbelievably good i probably the for me is the, the funniest thing in this hilarious movie yeah no i com- uh, yeah. i completely agree i i think you're exactly right like the setup <laughs> and just like oh yeah that was good and then the follow-up is just like it's just this is the knockout punch. Holy smokes. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, like, just kind of the depths that each of these universes get, you know? Mm. Like, it's not just that she's in the hibachi restaurant, so she knows how to use the knives, right? It's like it's got this whole other level to it, um, which is uh, just incredible. And, like, I think that, I think, like, watching this movie very carefully, you get a lot of senses of, like, she's a, the connection between where she's about to jump to and where she was, like, mm. just before, right? Like, when she's, she goes to the hot dog uh, um, universe, right? She's thinking about hot dogs. There's, there's all these little, uh, you know, there's all these little images of hot dogs right before, like right before. And there's like little clues right before, like right 
uh, before it happens. Like a uh, uh, right, uh, Jebu Tapaki gets shot, and it's like ketchup, organic ketchup, right? <laughs> Which is like a, a hot dog. Oh condom. my god! I never saw so, like <laughs> it. Just like all these little tiny things, kind of like it's like it's like dream logic. It's it's really amazing. Uh, so when she's like, yeah, she's like, I need to chop a bunch of things, right? So I'm gonna go to a hibachi restaurant, but the hibachi restaurant is also one that is a raccoon a raccoon control restaurant because she was talking about that like in the scene directly beforehand so yeah uh it's, it's pretty amazing um uh if i could go to any universe i go to a universe where we elect our leaders by whoever eats the um the biggest uh thing of lettuce or, or whoever eats lettuce the fastest <laughs> you, you, you ever heard of this there's there's this club i don't i think it's at harvard or, or some other ivy league pretentious school where there's a club where it's a lettuce eating club and every year they have a competition to elect their leader and the leader is whoever eats the head of lettuce the fastest and that person's job is to schedule meetings and schedule the election for the next year so i think we should expand this to all of our electoral offices um you know if you can eat lettuce fastest if you're hungrier than the person next to you then you get to become king basically um and you could have different levels right you could have like a tournament and like you have to eat various amounts of lettuce as they go up you know and you may say oh well you know this seems like a ridiculous method of electing someone and i say uh not any more ridiculous than what we have now and you say oh well maybe some of the uh you know some of the people that are in office right now would certainly not fare very well in a lettuce eating competition and i say that's exactly the point you know, i guess the only exception to that might be mitch mcconnell because he is a turtle but I, he does eat very slowly so i don't think i think the the, the lettuce uh aspect the, the fast aspect of the lettuce eating would be a key to this jo- so jo- you know joey be yes. honest is this your pitch for everything everywhere all at once too? <laughs> everything everywhere, everything everywhere all at twice. Everything everywhere uh, on the salad. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I could go to any universe, um, when I was answering this question, I was thinking like within the movie, uh, and I would like to go to the Alphaverse and uh, see oh, yeah. what everybody's alpha form is. Uh, because the ones we got to witness are are very impressive. Uh, it would be hilarious to see the alpha of anybody. The ch- I mean, yeah, uh, maybe you can get some of those bisexual lighting glasses that Alpha Wayman's wearing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or any of the outfits that Jobu Tupaki wears throughout oh, all of this. God, I mean, she yes. was styling. Too much drip. <laughs> she was incredible. It's so unnecessary, but it just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Okay, um, it's time for us to take a break. That's right. We are going to take it to a break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to go over our cool Easter eggs and deliver our ratings, uh, so stick around. Every day, new opportunities slip by, like sand through your fingers. All these fickle what-ifs smoothly leave your grasp as if by fate. But you can take control. Do you want to feel power? Do you want to grab fate by the horns and wrestle it to the ground? Do you want to stand with giants and let the earth tremble under your stride? There is a way, the only way, to climb the social ladder in one deft movement. Only the brave try it. Only the bold dare it. Gambling. Power is the feeling of holding two dice in your hand. You can use the horns of fate to scratch off winning lottery numbers. You can stand on top of virtual poker chips and be at the height of giants. That's right. Take that risk. Don't let your life slip through your fingers.
This ad was brought to you by the Gambling Initiative. Promoting extreme financial risk to anyone who will listen. And we're back with Jay and Eli from the Super Bracket Bros podcast. And now we're going to talk about our cool Easter eggs for everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, we'll get started with Jay. So I was looking into this movie, researching it, and I, I came across something that was interesting and kind of relates back to my media connection and talking about like learning about the development and research of this film actually began way back in 2010 uh, when the idea of multiverse in film was not commonplace. But in 2018, with the release of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the Daniels realized that they needed to get their idea out and into the world. You know, they realized that quickly the idea of a multiverse was becoming less novel. And this was followed up by season two of Rick and Morty, which dove, like, that went fully into the multiverse with the Citadel of Ricks and everything like that. And the Daniels thought they had lost part of what made the film so incredibly original. You know, they Hmm. weren't sure if, you know, like, based on the the media of the multiverse like it's such a random idea you know in 2010 you know i would not have thought we'd have so many movies about the multiverse in you know between 2018 (laughs) to 2022 but you know here we are you know and and several of those are part of the mcu granted (laughs) but regardless (laughs) you know that's um you know they they had to had to catch up and i mean even the fact it's insane that they would think that they lost any originality in this movie you know it's still you know is i think it makes it even more exceptional that it came out in 2022 instead of say 2017 you know but um yeah thought that was very cool um i i think that uh this that makes the movie more accessible honestly that it's coming out now when the multiverse is such a popular topic um because honestly i feel like the multiverse and the like not the, not the worlds themselves, but like the traveling and like the rules that kind of bind them together is one of the weaker parts of this movie. So um, that's not the thing I'm, I, I really focused on. You know, I really focused more on the story and like the visuals way more than like, oh, like wouldn't it be interesting if the multiverse worked this way? Um, you know, that was just kind of a fun gimmick that kind of got me from point A to point B. So I'm, I'm actually, I think it's extremely appropriate it came out this time because it's, it's blowing all these other movies out of the water in my opinion. All right, Eli, what do you got for us? Uh, before I go into my official Easter eggs, I, <laughs> Jay, you refer to them as the Daniels. <laughs> I, I, wa- I uh-huh. watched an interview uh, where Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis asked them, is it the Daniels or just Daniels? And they said Daniels because they don't feel comfortably being called the Daniels. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they don't want to sound like they have authority over the name. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Oh, thank um, you. Funny. Thank you for that. Well, actually. <laughs> that makes it a... Yeah, well, actually. It makes it a nightmare to talk about them, though, because how yeah. are you supposed to say, talk about them? Like, oh, the film duo Daniels. Like, <laughs> they're a... You know, um, the Daniels single- directed this film. It just sounds like you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Several Daniels. No. <laughs> <laughs> Daniels all the way down. Anyway, um, I bet R slash Daniels love these guys. 
but anyway, so uh, I, I was watching, you know, amidst the clips and interviews I was watching, one that really stood out to me was talking about the special and visual effects of everything everywhere all at once and sort of what <laughs> the Daniels, uh, what, <laughs> what, what, one of their techniques, uh, one of the crazy things about the movie I found out was that the special effects team was only five people. Uh, the visual sp- uh, effects team speci- uh, specifically was five people, which, you know, if you're for people who aren't uh, aware of the regular size for visual effects teams, if you stay on the credits for the movies, they're like easily over hundreds of people. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, if you if you've ever stayed for a Marvel end credit scene, um, uh, like 90 percent of the people listed are some sort of visual effects. Yeah, or some sort of uh, outsourced visual effects team. Yep. Yep. And, and it's crazy just thinking of this movie which to me on par like in terms of my enjoyment had like the special effects of a higher budget mcu movie the fact it was done by five people is incredible and um you know uh daniel sort of uh go into how they did it and it's so fast like i said if you're interested in filmmaking whether you want to make film or just have a you know, interest in learning about it. I would definitely watch some interviews with these guys uh, just to see what kind of practical effects they use to get around to convince the audience, you know, that what is happening on screen is happening. One of my favorite effects they did, uh, if you remember that the verse jumping effect when Evelyn sort of like flies backwards and, you know, the screen shatters and she, you know, becomes a different version of herself. It, the yeah. footage in the background of like traveling is just uh, the uh, co-director Daniel Kwan walking around New York with a camera in first-person view, and then he just like sped it up, added blur effects, and put it in this little box <laughs> with Michelle Yeoh to react in front of a green screen with. So a lot of the scenes of her jumping to different multi- uh, multiverses, it's just her <laughs> superimposed in front of the scenes from New York. And it's just like, it's stuff like that, that I love film as a medium of illusions. I love when filmmakers just think of all these clever ways to to trick the audience into thinking what's going on on the screen is actually happening. I saw in one interview, there was a, there was a scene of uh, Evelyn and Waymond in a car together and Jamie Lee Curtis's character Deidre rips Evelyn out uh but Jamie Lee Curtis was not available at the time <laughs> so so da- uh the other Daniel not hang on uh Daniel Scheinert uh, the other co-director <laughs> dressed up as Deidre's hand <laughs> and just slapped the window <laughs> and like you're watching the movie you're like oh that's obviously Jamie Lee Curtis and he's like nah and so it's just little it's little things like that that make filmmaking fun just the interesting like ways they go around it and solve practical problems and just use practical effects it's so fun it's so it makes it makes the filmmaking medium more fun for me personally so uh i think it's really funny i don't know if this counts as easter egg or not but uh when uh, evelyn goes to another universe to learn kung fu it's just uh, Michelle Yao. <laughs> like she goes, <laughs> she, she's like all these like actual video of her in like at press releases and stuff, including a like a short time like clip of her standing in front of the Crazy Rich Asians uh, like uh, poster, which is the movie that she appeared in. Uh, so I just think it's funny that you know uh, <laughs> Evelyn's like greatest accomplishment would be to be or like greatest like, version of herself would just to be. Michelle Yao uh, in real life. <laughs> Which, uh, speaking of, Michelle Yao actually started off as a ballet student and then mm. suffered some sort of injury and then got into filmmaking and martial arts um, because she couldn't do ballet anymore, uh, which is amazing. Incredible pivot. 
and we're all lucky uh, uh, because of it, I think. I think I think it's almost meta if you think about that quote from the Alpha Wayman when he says all your setbacks, all your faults have led you to this point. Even like even even Michelle Yao in real life, like that yeah. setback put her on a different trajectory that made her the Michelle uh, Michelle Yao. So yeah, just that was very interesting. Um. Okay. Uh. I. I. So there. There's this part where um. Jobo Depaki is talking about all the things she put on the bagel. She says every breed of dog, <laughs> salts, and you know, and uh, you know, all of her report cards. And one of the things she says is every personal ad on Craigslist, and they show a few. Uh, so I paused them and read and and, and uh, read them and um, put them on here. So I would like someone. I'll, I'll take a volunteer to read this last one I have here. Dentist needs filling because it's it's the best one. Anyone want to volunteer? I, I volunteer as tribute. Let's go. All right. All right. Title, Dennis Needs Filling. Hi, nice to meet you. My name's blank. Well, I guess I shouldn't put that on the internet. <laughs> so, so much has changed since I got back into dating. I'm looking to find a gal with a sense of humor and a job. <laughs> Exclamation point with <laughs> periods in between each letter. If you can't tell from the title, he he. I'm a dentist divorced, two kids college age, but don't worry, we don't talk much. <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking to add someone else to my insurance policy, winky emoji. Don't live like a rock star lifestyle, no Corvette in sight, but I have a stable life and I'm looking for a lady minch of my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> if you like picnics, rock climbing, or attending the local orchestra, that's a plus. <laughs> He's had a crush on librarians as a kid. So if that's you, dot, 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 shoot me a message. I'm no Patrick Bateman, but I work out regularly and I'm working for the same size in you. 5'10", 185 pounds, one cat, declawed. <laughs> I love he's like, I'm no Patrick Bateman, but I'm close. <laughs> if you, uh, no, if you feel the incredible. need to... If you feel the need to say I'm not Patrick Bateman, I think you are Patrick Bateman. <laughs> There's every element of this is is incredible, right? Like, well, I'm getting out into dating. Like, oh, here's some things about me, but it's just like all of these things, right? It's like, oh, you have to have a sense of humor and a G and a J O B. And then at the end, he's like, he's like, make sure you also work out because no fatties allowed on yeah. my DMs. You know, I, I'm um, I'm kind of I'm kind of obsessed with the lady mensch. Yes. Like that's such a that is such a sigma move to write in a dating profile. My favorite part is definitely when he says dentist divorce two kids but we don't talk but don't worry we don't talk much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want a, I want a movie uh, anyway. about I want a movie about this dentist. <laughs> They're all, all of them are pretty good. I encourage you to go through them and scrub through them uh on uh if you download this movie. Uh, but yeah, that, that one was, a uh, was, a uh, especially, uh, funny to me. Um, the other one, the other thing I want to just mention, um, is that absolutely story of a girl by nine days, uh, plays, uh, kind of a subtle role in this movie. Uh, we actually heard some of the lyrics recited by Wayman earlier in the movie where he, when he says, um, uh, your clothes never wear as well the next day and your hair never falls in quite the same way. Um, this is a very popular song. I mean, I feel like everybody's heard it, but I think the 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 um, they actually play it in the car as Wayman is explaining to Evelyn um, why he wants a divorce. And that same scene that um, Eli just mentioned about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis or Daniel Shiner's hand actually hitting the the car door. That um, in that scene in the background, you hear I guess a cover of this song 
because it doesn't quite sound the same way um, as I remember it. But if I, I'll read you some of the lyrics just to kind of get an idea. Like this actually kind of resonates with the themes of the movie. It says, this is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she smiles. How many days in a year? She woke up with hope, but she only found tears. And I can be so insincere, making her promises never for real. As long as she stands there waiting, wearing the holes in the soles of her shoes, how many days disappear? When you look in the mirror, so how do you choose? Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so it's yeah. made this song from uh, you know, uh, the early 2000s, I believe. Um, you know, still has some of the same themes, uh, some of the same feelings of uh, angst and unbelonging that... Um, I- Everything everywhere. All I've, once, I've uh, a personal anecdote about songs and uh, script writing. I took <laughs> I took a screenwriting course in college, and one of the projects that my classmate she centered her whole script around a song. I can't remember which song it was, but that was like the if the song if the script didn't have the song, it didn't work. And she mm. asked the professor about that, and she was like, "Well, you know." That's the studio to get that song for you. And the look on the <laughs> classmate's face of just despair was like, wait, I just can't use the song. <laughs> what? No, you just can't use it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's a hard lesson for anybody who's trying to make movies. <laughs> or any content at all. Exactly. It's so easy. Yeah, <laughs> Your ultimate sports highlights, like, real look amazing with, you know, <laughs> popular music. But when you have to put your royalty-free like digital download library <laughs> rock and roll song on there you it just doesn't hit the same no. uh okay well i think we're ready to move on to our quotable moments and we've played a lot of our quotes but we still got a couple left and i think uh this is going to be from eli so eli do you have anything to preface this first uh quote with i do because i i'm going to say it <laughs> in, in in the context of the movie, uh, I I completely forgot this line is spoken in Mandarin Chinese, and so uh, Joey and I just uh, we talked and it didn't seem make sense to share it in an audio format. So I'll read it to you guys. This is from Alpha Wayman or not Alpha. This is from uh, CEO Wayman. Sigma uh, Wayman. Sigma Wayman. Sigma yeah, Wayman. Sigma grind. <laughs> Sigma grindset <laughs> Wayman. Uh, talking to the successful version of Michelle, or yeah, Michelle Yao, basically. <laughs> Michelle Yao version of Evelyn. So even though you have broken my heart yet again, I wanted to say in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. And this is sort of a repeating, <laughs> beating the dead horse of the theme I mentioned earlier of characters realizing what they have always wanted has always been available to them. And I love, because when Evelyn jumps to this successful version of herself, she's talking like, it was amazing. Like, think of what I could have been. Like, it's incredible. And so she's talking to the successful version of Waymond, and you just see the look on Evelyn's face when he says that line and says, the reality that you're talking about is my dream. It, It really makes, like, I feel like, towards the end of the movie when this quote is said it really that that was one of the moments that pushed evelyn to realize what she needed to do and that's why i love the quote so much as you see this character just completely flipped perspectives on what evelyn is feeling and like oh we could have been this we could have been this and you see the successful wayman of the you know quote-unquote correct universe say 
I my dream is the universe that you want to leave behind. I don't know. It was just very powerful to me. And one of, I, this was one of the scenes I cried at just because that the, the delivery from from Ki uh, Kihi Kwan was so just incredible. Yeah, even hearing you read it now brings a tear to my eye. And, and it's it's funny that we have this like we're not going to play this quote because. <laughs> It's not in English, but the moment is so wonderfully crafted that I, like, I think it's hard to remember that it was in anything but English because it comes across so strongly. Um, and I think that this movie is yet another example of how like, just because the movie is uh, in a different language doesn't hold it back from being great. Because well, this line, even if I can't hear it, like I can't hear literally doing laundry and taxes with you, but that sequence of words still... I think is going to be an iconic line moving forward. Well, well, yeah, and Quan's delivery. He could have said that in any language and I would have understood the emotion mm-hmm. behind it. And I, I can't help but thinking about Bong Joon-ho's quote when he won the Oscar of, if you can get past that inch barrier of subtitles, you can see such great movies. So, yeah, this, this Absolutely. quote. Absolutely. Th- this, this is the pinnacle of the movie for me. This is the scene that I, I will always associate with the movie. All right, we got one more. This one I can play. Uh, Eli, do you uh, <laughs> want to preference this with anything? Yeah, this is um, after. Uh, this is kind of the. These two quotes kind of work hand in hand. This is after Evelyn uh, learns, uh, t- kind of takes. Uh, she takes Wayman's lessons to heart and she starts fighting with kindness. Evelyn, what are you doing? I'm learning to fight like you. Just, I, again, this is like an expectation reverse because we're so used to action media at the end where the character gets the power up and just starts punching really, you know, harder. And that's punching the moment but of- believing themselves this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the inverse of she's like just touching people and that's defeating them because she's fighting with kindness and any other director i feel it could have really dropped the ball with this with this uh with this scene i feel like any other actress would have dropped the ball with the delivery but daniels and michelle yao were so perfect together for the execution of this scene and what the action that or quote unquote non-action that followed was just so great and the music cue like this is almost the exact opposite my first thought was like in thor ragnarok at the end when you hear you know (laughs) led zeppelin start playing immigrant song and he has lightning powers he's just punching everybody complete opposite (laughs) she's you hear this (laughs) gentle piano music she's you know just touching people uh, doing honestly ballet like you mentioned joy it's very ballet-esque but i felt the same emotion as i did in the thor ragnarok you know it was the same like you know fist pumping in the air like hell yeah she's doing it but in a completely different zone it was so interesting yeah it's it is amazing i mean just to have that that twist uh instead of having just instead of having her punch her way through um you know which really does undercut Oh, like undermine a lot of the lessons that we're supposed to take away from these action movies, right? It's just like, oh, but these guys are allowed to punch, you know. Um, this <laughs> this idea that she that she really does like embrace this message and then try to goes out of her way to to enact it um, is really powerful. And it's, I think you're right. The delivery and everything makes this not a cheesy moment at all when it really could be. You know, they they really play with this very carefully. 
And it, it's, I mean, a testament to, I mean, to its craft that all of us felt that. And it was never a moment of like, oh, you know, what a cringe moment for her to be like, ah, fighting with kindness. Now that's the way forward, you know? Now that, <laughs> suddenly I feel everything everywhere all at once when I'm fighting with kindness. <laughs> there's, I, there's no, there's no uh, Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen moment, uh, you know, <laughs> right here. If I, and if I can just, it, it, yeah, go uh, ahead. If I can just interject one last time, uh, in the interviews I saw with <laughs> Daniels, I keep wanting to say the Daniels, but... <laughs> <laughs> But I anyway, know. Grammatically, but makes sense. There, there was a scene, uh, the interview with the cast and the directors on Entertainment Weekly's YouTube channel, which you should watch. It's great. But um, Stephanie Shu, who plays uh, Joy, talked about the way that Daniels directed. And every at the end of every week, they gave out awards to the casting crew for doing a, a job well done. And I think that communicates to the filmmaking itself, where... It's not just the characters in the movie fighting with love, it's the directors directing with love. And that was the main thing that they talked about. You watch that interview and it's just such a love fest. All the all the main cast and the directors are talking about how much they love each other and how much they were so honored to work with each other. And that love and affection comes through in the filmmaking. So I just wanted to shout that out um, because the best movies aren't the, just the ones you enjoyed watching on screen, but the ones you find out you know, how much the people involved in the movie loved it. So well said. Can Eli, can I just talk to you over here for a second? I just just quick quick one on one conversation here. Um uh, yeah, yeah. Just, wait, wait, shh, shh, shh. Okay, okay, hey, yeah. Don't don't listen. Please, Every, please, please. Don't listen, listen. Yeah, yeah. So you just so so you know, you know, we, we have a podcast about characters fighting each other. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I kinda need you to like bring it back around and talk about how like everything that you just said is actually not true and that you, you okay, do, sure, sure. You, yeah. do need to, yeah. you do need to punch your way out of some some situations where okay, you yeah, might yeah. end up on a podcast it, 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 you know where multiversal characters fight each other. So could you could you do yeah. that for okay, me? Okay, 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 okay. Give perfect. me one second. Okay, okay, okay. okay. okay we're hey, back. Hey, hey. Yeah, hey, we're back. Oh, just disregard are. everything I just said. Fists matter. <laughs> don't love. It's all fake. <laughs> Punch your way to solutions. Wow. Don't, I have no don't... idea how we landed on this. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> I just received a memo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think that uh, wonderful bit is going to bring us to the end of our discussion on everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. As we do on every episode of Affle Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. And we're going to start with Eli. Eli, what rating do you want to give to this movie? In honor of the late, great Roger Ebert, I'm giving it two gross, fleshy hot dog thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Jay, what rating do you want to give this movie? I give this movie the undeniable and powerful love between a raccoon and a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that's touching. That's really very is. touching. Um, and Joey, what rating do you want to give to uh, this movie? I My third eye has been opened, but it is a googly eye. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And for my rating, I will give this movie a full-length A24 raccoon film complete with the soundtrack 
<laughs> with your favorite hits, including Now We're Cooking While Nobody's Looking and Picking Up Extra Shifts from Incompetent Coworkers. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, okay, so that brings us to the end of our conversation on everything, everywhere, all at once. So glad that we could uh, talk about this film with Jay and Eli from Super Bracket Brothers. So um, now we'll give you the opportunity to let the people know where you guys are on the internet, where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So Super Bracket Bros, you can find wherever podcasts are, wherever you find Affable Chat. You can almost certainly find Super Bracket Bros. So if you want to give us a listen and take a look, find Benjamin and Joey. If you're looking for a good place to start, we've had them on uh, a, a couple times now and they've all been fantastic episodes and so definitely if you're looking for a good entry point and if you like those episodes then start at the beginning of the season you know we would love to you know if you start from a selection sunday episode and and follow through the whole season season three we focused on melee fighting characters and that was a lot of fun and like uh like benjamin mentioned at the top of the show this this uh this season we're focusing on gun-toting characters you know so it, uh, and and not just, you know, I, I made the joke, but we're not just all about the fights. You know, we want to give these characters, you know, the, the credit that they deserve as characters. And then, you know, we, we got to have some fun as well, you know, and, you know, because. Um, but, yeah, you know, we would love to have you over on Super Bracket Bros and, uh, you know, just just give us a try. You know, if you like Benjamin and Joey and you like what they do here, then we think that you like Super Bracket Bros a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, like, yeah, middle of season four. So, you know, it's it's not too late to jump on by any means. So, yeah. Thank you guys for having us on. This was an absolute blast. Um, I was so excited to talk about this movie and, and talk about it in this format with, uh, with, with you guys, you know, my favorite people to talk about with movies, uh, honestly, you know, uh, the, the wow. four of us is a, <laughs> wow. a fantastic, <laughs> uh, fantastic crew. I, I love it a lot. We really appreciate that, uh, deeply. And I will say I'm a genuine Super Racket Rose fan. Like this is just a podcast I listen to at this point. Uh, and it's actually this time compared to last time, like I'm a little bit more starstruck having these guys enter into our uh, like video chat here. It's like, wow, I've listened to hours of these guys' voices because it's it's truly, I mean, I, I just, I give it my biggest endorsement. Like it's a really fun concept and it's something I look forward to seeing in my uh, Spotify new content feed uh, every two weeks. So um, yeah, I just, it, it, we, it, I give it my biggest endorsement. Get on board with Super Bracket Brothers. Uh, as soon as you can. Um, and Eli, is there, was there anything else you wanted to plug as well? Uh, stay tuned as Jay is going to be running around the streets with a raccoon. <laughs> you're gonna want to watch out for that yeah, stay gonna, tuned we're gonna work yeah stay tuned hopefully in 2024 we'll have our indie raccoon movie made and <laughs> i'm gonna be on board for the soundtrack because i think that's a really important thing that we get right yep. Yep. you know if we're gonna do this movie we're gonna do it right yep. uh but yeah thanks again both of you for joining us here and we hope to have you back very soon but that's going to do it for our episode on everything, everywhere, all at once. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we're doing Law Abiding Citizen. Yes, and that is uh, one that I've had in the like in the chamber back catalogs for the wrong time. <laughs> I wouldn't say the chamber, deep in the clip. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna watch that one and talk about it. Um, but until then, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you like this podcast, then tell your friends. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on our website, affablechat.com, where you can read our blog, Affable Chat Now, to find out exactly what's going on with Affable Chat right now. Right now. Uh, and in any moment that you read that blog, it's it's absolutely current. So make sure you log on, affablechat.com slash now. And uh, you can also find all our socials there, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Affable Chat on all three, uh, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel, and everything, everywhere, all at once is... Uh uh, what we're we're, we're we're promising on that YouTube channel, <laughs> even though we haven't uploaded to it in about two years. <laughs> and also, Apple Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Apple Chat. Watch it right now. As you're listening to it, I'm live, maybe. So tune in right now, join the chat, and I'll see you there on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.